I just want to pray right now because I feel like the Lord, you know, I'm not really a morning person, so I need God to help me. So Dana knows that about me. Father God, we just thank you for this amazing church. And Lord, I speak blessings over Fountain of Life and every member and every person within the sound of my voice. I thank you, Father God, that you raised up Pastor Hans and his family and this amazing team all those years ago, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, that you put... Hans and Dana, Pastor Hans and Dana together, Lord, to serve and to, to build uh, uh, and to change lives, Lord. And I thank you that your word says one can put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand, and you put this team together, Lord, for such a time as this. And I thank you, Lord, that the anointing of God and the presence of God is in this place. And Lord, I yield myself to you this morning. I ask you to speak through me every word that you would have me speak. And Lord, I thank you that your word will not return unto you void but it will accomplish what you send it to accomplish in each and every life of every person that is in this building and every person watching online in Jesus name hallelujah hallelujah I'll just very quickly um, I'm going to have more time in the second service so if some of y'all want to hang around you'll hear some stories that I won't have time to share first service but I just want to say that I spent the first eight years of my career life working for the government in the state of Tennessee. I spent five years working at a girls' prison. It was for juvenile delinquent girls. There were 300 locked up for a year because they got in trouble. Too young to go to women's prison, they were sent for a year. So I was athletic director at that facility for five years. And then I got recruited to go to Nashville and investigate child abuse cases. I was in the emergency child protective services unit and I saw all the horrible things that we hear about in the news and read about in the newspaper. But when I saw it with my own eyes, it gripped my heart. I couldn't get away from the, the, the pain that those children had been through. And eight years of doing government work and we would go out with the police all hours of the night and would see all the horrible stuff. I'm going to tell you something. Eight years of, of God showing me everything that taxpayers pay for and all that the government has to offer in the name of helping people. And I will tell you what I learned. God has not anointed the government to heal broken hearts and set captives free. He's called us to do it. And it's up to you and I. And so that's why we're, we are just walking into this great awakening that's happening. And we're going to see God pour out his spirit and his glory is going to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. We're going to see people come into the kingdom and we are just going to have a great time being a part of all that. And we're all in it together. Amen. So 40 years ago this year, I stepped out in faith to start uh, mercy multiplied. And so if you don't, if you guys don't mind catching up in 40 years, it'll take about four or five minutes for you to catch up with the 40 years so that you'll understand where I'm coming from this morning when I share the message. So take a look at the video screen. I worked at a girls correctional facility for five years. I was so frustrated working for the government because I knew that they were being told, you're damaged goods, you'll never be able to make anything out of your life because your life is too far gone. So they weren't given any hope. And that just frustrated me to no end because it doesn't matter what you've done or who you've done it with or where you've been, there's nothing too hard for God. He loves you, he's not mad at you for the things you did. He wants to take your life and make something great out of it. If these girls weren't treated like a number, 
if they were treated like an individual and that we could help them according to what their individual need is instead of a broken system that's where everybody's treated the same and no one comes out getting the help they need. After the five years, I got recruited to work in emergency child protective services here in Nashville, which means that my unit was on call 24 hours a day. I couldn't hardly handle what I was seeing. Little children that were being horribly physically and sexually abused. And over those eight years that I worked for the government, I realized that God was showing me all the programs that taxpayers pay for that look good and sound good on paper, but the reality is they don't change lives. God has not anointed the government to heal broken hearts and set captives free. He's called his people to do that because only Christ can forgive sin, heal broken hearts, like it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. January 15th, 1983, I left Nashville and drove to Louisiana to start the first home. God gave me three principles, and those three things were take the young women in free of charge because most of them could not get the help they need if they had to pay. Principle number two was your needs will be met through your giving. So we tithe as an organization 10% to other organizations that are helping people. And uh, the third thing was do not take any funding that will restrict the freedom to share about the love and forgiveness of Christ. And to this day, we're still doing those three things. We'll never stop. I got a call from a pastor in Nashville, and he said, I've heard about the work you're doing in Louisiana, and I just wanted you to know that we need the same thing in Nashville. We were so excited when we opened Nashville. I had 40 additional beds, but it wasn't long till we had a waiting list yet again. And I believe 2005 that we opened the St. Louis home. And after we opened the St. Louis home, we got a call from a gentleman in Sacramento. And so we built a 40 bed facility there that was millions of dollars. And as the homes were increasing in the United States, uh, we started opening international locations, the United Kingdom, Canada, places that I never dreamed that I would go to, much less start a home. In 2015, just praying one day, and I just felt like, you know, we needed to change the name. I just realized our magazine was called Multiply. Mercy Multiplied literally became multiplication in every area. You know, in 2015, I wrote a book called Ditch the Baggage, Change Your Life. We collaborated with our staff from the United Kingdom and the American staff got together and they took that book and fleshed out an eight-week study, which is called Keys to Freedom that spread throughout the United States and all across Europe. And now it's in five languages and there are more languages coming on even as we speak. With these Empower workshop trainings that we do, we are all about equipping men and women, no matter what their age. We have people come from all over the United States. They're able to learn and take that back to their city so that they can reach people that they come across and bring freedom to their lives. We are really working to expand our church services so that they are readily equipped and available to help new people coming in to be able to get the freedom that they need. We've had so many people that said, hey, I got a full-time job, or I'm a guy and I need help. And we realized that we needed to develop outpatient programs. They come in for counseling, men and women of all ages, and we take them there and they come in for counseling usually once a week. I think God's future for Mercy Multiplied is just that, more multiplication. We have plans to open more residential facilities. We have property in the Panhandle of Florida. I see us opening more of the outpatient programs.
When I look back to 1983, when we started the first home there in West Monroe, Louisiana, I thought I was going there initially just to do that for the rest of my life. I am overwhelmed when I think back to the small beginnings of 1983 and how it's grown across the world and continues to multiply. It blows my mind and it makes me realize how big God is. Praise God. So now that y'all caught up for four, with the last 40 years, I will tell you that when I left to go to Louisiana, uh, January 15th, 1983, I had $1,000 in my pocket, a few clothes in the back seat, and a little dog, and that was it. And the Lord said, "You, I worked my way through college. I was the middle kid of seven, and the Lord said, I, you're going to be tempted to get a job when you get there but you're not allowed to get a job because I've got to break that sufficiency in you, self-sufficiency in you, so that you can learn to trust me and walk by faith. And so he said, you're, you know, I, I overdosed on George Mueller books. You know, he, he had ran orphanages in the 1800s and take, took care of all the children, and he never knew where the food was coming from, the money was coming from. Sometimes they'd bless the food when there was no food, and somebody would knock on the door and bring it in. So I just read all those stories, and my faith just started skyrocketing, and I just knew that God was going to be faithful. But back in 1982, when God had given me those three principles, he said, take the young women and free of charge, like I said, you give, your needs will be met through your giving, and don't ever take any government funding where they have the freedom to tell you you can't share Jesus Christ and get people filled with the Holy Spirit and get people delivered and set free. Because without that, the lives won't change. And so I said, okay, Lord, and I was just writing down so fast those three things. He said, if you'll do these three things, you will always be blessed. And every need is met. And I don't have time to tell you all the stories, but I will tell you that every building and every single thing you saw in that video is debt-free. We have no debt in Jesus' name. But I'm back in Nashville in the fall of 82 knowing that I'm, God had already showed me start in Louisiana. I want you to learn to depend on me. You don't know anybody there, and I don't have time to tell the whole story of how, how that all happened. But um, anyway... I said, God, give me the money that I need, and then I will go to Louisiana. And he goes, no, that's not faith. You go to the place that I've showed you to go to, and your provision will be on the path that I've called you to walk on. So he said, you step out in faith, and you trust me, and watch what I'm going to do. So the name of this message this morning, and I'm going to try to get it out, is Faith for Direction faith for provision, and faith for changed lives. These two books right here are loaded with a lot more of what I'm going to share this morning than what I'm going to be able to tell you. So we have created, usually they're $15 a piece, but we've created a bundle for this church so that you can get both of these books out at the table for $20. 
And I will tell you that I'm all about people getting set free. So if you need these books and you don't have the money to pay for them, you just tell the person, or I'll be out there too. You just let us know and we'll gift them to you. I don't take any royalty money for my books. It all goes right back in to help the girls. So honor system, if you can pay, you know, you're blessing the girls when you do it. Um, this is a book that I wrote. I told the Lord I would never write. It's some of the painful, horrible things that happened in my childhood. For instance, I had a three-and-a-half-year-old sister that got crushed to death on a tractor in my dad's lap, and that was an awful, awful thing that happened in our life. And uh, Christian people came and said, hey, you know, God did this because he needed another angel to sing in the heavenly choir. I wasn't a Christian. I was, I was not even nine years old yet. And then somebody else came, another religious person, said it was her time to go, and I'm, I went. She's three-and-a-half. She, nobody should go when they're three and a half. We need to quit being religious and tell people the truth. God is good, and he does good. And he is not the author. It's the thief that comes to kill. To steal. I know that has other applications, but that verse, the devil comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And he tried to destroy our family. He tried to destroy my life. But on the other side of that equation is what Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So I share about that and how that I allowed a spirit. You know, when we lose someone, we need to go through the grieving process. And I was really excited to see that y'all have the grief share group here because that's important. But there's a difference between going through the grieving process and carrying a spirit of grief that actually steals your joy and keeps you in a state of depression. And I did not know until many years later that I had carried that. And my dad had carried it. And so I share about how God showed me how to break, those, uh, break that off of my life and get set free. Uh, for those of you who know about the Netflix series, 13 Reasons Why, it's about a young girl who committed suicide. It's a very dark uh, series on Netflix. I don't recommend anybody watching it. But I watched it because it's what walks through my door every single day. The drugs, the addictions, the eating disorders, the cutters, the suicidal, and all that. But the young woman in the, in the series ended up committing suicide, taking her life, and leaving 13 cassette tapes by, behind for 13 people that she blamed for the, as the reason that she had to take her life. So I got mad. So I got, I got uh, we've helped... Thousands and thousands of girls in our residential programs the last 40 years. But I, I got 13 stories, got their permission of girls that had had very serious suicide attempts, ended up in the hospital, was mad when they woke up that they weren't dead. And I got their permission to put their 13 stories in this book. So 13 individual stories of girls who got set free from that spirit of suicide and death and came out in victory. Why? Because they chose to come to mercy and get the help they needed. And that's what was missing in that next Netflix series. So this is my answer to it. So, And then you, you saw the Keys to Freedom study that we mentioned, Leaders, God, and Study God. All of this is out there on the table. It's designed as an eight-week study, but if you're an individual, you could go through it just as well by yourself. And then the magazine, if you didn't get one of these when you came in this morning, it's our 40th anniversary magazine. If you did not get one, you can get one on the way out. Those are absolutely free of charge. Listen, we take girls from all 50 states, ages 13 to 32, into our residential programs, and you never know when God may bring a young woman across your path who needs help, whether it's unplanned pregnancy or some of the other things I've already named. No matter what the problem is, Jesus Christ is the answer. 
He forgives sin. He heals broken hearts. He sets captives free. He already paid the price for our freedom, and it's up to us to proclaim liberty and freedom to the captives so they can receive and they can see the chains broken off their lives. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention um, a couple of scriptures, and then I'm going to get into these three areas I want to talk about. Uh, Hebrews 11:1 1 says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen. So when I left Nashville 40 years ago to go to Louisiana, that, that's what I went on. It was I, In my heart, I knew. It never even dawned in on me it wasn't going to work. I knew it was going to work because I knew God said he was going to do it, and if you do these three things, it's going to happen. And so I went, and you saw what the Lord has done over the last 40 years. But listen, the, uh, Hebrews 6 11.6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. We are to live by faith. You know, there's a scripture that says, as we receive the Lord Jesus Christ, so walk in him. How did we receive him? We received him by faith. We prayed a prayer of faith. We asked Jesus to come into our heart. He came, changed our life. And so we live the same way, just as we received him by faith. Um, um, Romans 10.17 says, faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. I sat under Brother Hagin for many years. And Brother Hagin said it like this. Faith comes by hearing the word of God over and over and over and over again. We need to be in the word of God. We need to continually renew our minds to the word of God. Because the enemy comes and, and he tries to bring lies to people. You know, well, you'll never be able to do anything because this happened to you. Or, or you're damaged goods. That's all the stuff the government used to tell the girls when I worked for them. You're damaged goods. You'll never amount to anything. You can never be anything. And they'd spend a year hearing these ungodly psychiatrists and psychologists telling them all the reasons why they would never amount to anything. But my Bible says in Jeremiah 29, 11, these are the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, but to give you hope and a future. So we had to take the lies and the labels and the medications that, that these girls had been inundated with, and we had to replace the lies with the truth of God's word. Amen. And God's word is forever settled in heaven. So it's up to us to establish his word here on the earth. So faith for direction. God said, go. It's not give me what I need and I'll go. It's you go and I'll give you what you need. So I, when I first became a Christian, I started devouring the word of God. And I got a living Bible because I needed something that I could understand. So me and King Jimmy didn't get along too good. So uh, I had to get the living Bible. And I remember reading in Proverbs 3. I remember this was, became my life verse. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And that goes for all of us in here. And those of you watching online. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding, but acknowledge him in all your ways and he will direct your path. And so I was meditating on that verse one day and early, early, early in the ministry. Um, and God gave me a vision. And in, it wasn't like, it wasn't an open vision. It was like a vision like in the movie screen of my mind. But in this vision, I was in a black forest. It was so dark that you couldn't even see the hand in front of you. There were no lights anywhere, and it was just a forest full of trees, and it was so dark. And I had one little flashlight. And I, in the vision, I kept shining the flashlight out here, way out here. And then I would just trip and fall and stumble over what was right at my feet. 
because I was trying to see way out there. And the Lord said, take the flashlight. You've got enough light pointed at your foot. You've got enough light to take one step. And after you take that step, then you're going to have enough light to take the next step. And then after you take that, you're going to have enough light for the next. A lot of us get paralyzed in fear. and We never take that first step. We have to take that first step. We have enough light. God didn't say, I will order your life in my word. He said, I will order your steps in my word. And I, I came back. And then I said, God, give me some scripture to back up this vision. And he took me to Psalm 119, 105. His word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Psalm 119, 133, he orders my steps in his word. So whatever the enemy is lying to you about or making you afraid of or God's been dealing with you and he wants you to do something, I dare you today, take the first step and see if he don't give you the next and the next and the next because that's how good God is. He walks with us by faith and he shows us the direction we should go. Some of these are going to overlap each other, and you'll realize that as I go through it. But faith for direction, faith for provision. You saw that, uh, you know, we, we went to, I went to Louisiana, got the first home started. God was with me. He opened so many doors. He caused so many people to partner with us. But I actually thought that I was going to Louisiana to start one home, and I would do that for the rest of my life. That's what I thought. But God has always has more for us than we understand and know that he has for ourselves, and that goes for everybody in here he is a big God he don't and if we just do stuff that we can do in our own strength why do we need God to do it we need to dream big we need to do big things we need to believe him that he can use us and we need to step out and not let the enemy bring fear God has not given us a spirit of fear but power love and a sound mind and so we got that first home open and girls started coming and and Jesus started setting people free, and it was just so awesome because I didn't have anybody over my shoulder going, hey, this is a government program. You can't share Christ in here. A lot of those girls that I worked with that spent a year in that facility, they went home to the same neighborhoods they came from. And the pimps were waiting on them, the drug dealers, the gang members. And some of them were murdered by pimps. Some of them died from drug overdoses. Some of them actually committed suicide because they believed the lies of the experts. The experts told them, you're damaged goods, and your life will never be anything. But that is not what the Bible says. So we got to preach the word. we got to tell people the truth. We have to share with people, just like we sang this morning, the price has already been paid for our freedom. So we need to quit. I believe part of taking God's name in vain is when we tr keep trying to pay for something that Jesus Christ has already paid for. He's already paid for our freedom. We don't have to live in chains. If you know the Lord, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21 said, He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. So it's a great exchange. So he paid the price for our freedom. We are the righteousness of God in Christ because of what he did, not because of what we have to do to try to earn it. So we need to stop that. And we need to know and understand 
that it is for freedom, that Christ set us free. So if there's anything that is holding you captive or any yoke of bondage is trying to control your life, you have a, a legal right to rise up in the authority that God has given us as a believer and say, in the name of Jesus, I command fear to go. Fear, you will not rule my life. Torment, you will not rule my life. And, it, and if you're, if you're going to do that, you better make sure that uh, you're all in. You know, Romans 12, 1, the Living Bible said it like this, but I'll tell you another way it says it. Romans 12, 1 says that our bodies, we are to present them to God, a living sacrifice holy. So our bodies are not meant to be abused or used. We're not to abuse our bodies with addi addictive things and drugs and all the things that are out there. You know, you are not, if, if, if you've ever been in an abusive situation, God does not want you to stay in that. Forgiveness is necessary, but reconciliation is not. Those are two totally different things. And so God loves us, and he does not want us to be used and abused in that way. So we dedicate our bodies to God, and, we, and we're all in. It's not one foot in the church and one foot in the world. We need to be all in because if we open the door to the enemy, then he has a legal right to come and bring torment and oppression into our life. So we close those doors through repentance and confession and we allow the Lord to, to close those doors so that we can walk in the freedom that Jesus Christ died for us to have. And then the next, the living Bible says it like this. If you think of all that Jesus did when he died for us. So put your name right there. If I think of all that Jesus did when he died for Nancy, is it too much for Jesus to ask Nancy simply just to live for him? I don't think so. So Romans 12, 2 says this. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So God opened doors in those early years, and I'd go out and I'd speak. Uh, civic clubs, Rotary, you know, all these places, some churches. And I, uh, the first two years that we were open, we didn't take pregnant girls because in my mind, I thought we need a separate facility to do that. You know, so just cater to pregnant girls. So they would call and I would go, well, w I'm sorry, but, you know, we don't, we're not doing that yet, but we're planning on building a separate facility to be able to do that. And I would say that. But when I'd go out and speak, I would speak out against abortion. So one day I was praying, and the Lord said to me, I'm very direct, so you know God kind of talks to you like the way you are. Have you ever noticed that? And he said, Nancy, you're a hypocrite. And I mean, I felt like it, it hurt me. I started crying. I said, Lord, what do you mean? And he said, I have had these pregnant girls call you, and you've turned them away. And he said, I'm going to give you a choice. You either stop speaking out against abortion or you get in there and start taking the young women in that call you. And I said, well, Lord, if you'll give me the building, I'll start taking them. And he said, no, that's backwards. It's you start taking them and then I'll give you the building. So the first, the, so I repented and I asked God to forgive me. And the next day I said, God, if you'll just please have somebody call me because I was just so convicted and, and I knew uh, that God heard my prayer because the very next day a pastor called me. And pastors have to deal with difficult 
situations. I was telling Pastor Hans last night at dinner that I think pastors have the hardest job on the planet. This pastor called me and he said, I got a family in my church and the, the, 13, the mother has a 13-year-old daughter and she's pregnant by her mother's 37-year-old boyfriend. So I'm like, God, could you give me a little, just a little, something a little easier for the first one? But we took in that girl, and we've been taking in uh, women facing an unplanned pregnancy ever since. And remember what God said. It's not take, give me what I need, and then you can start taking them. But it's you start taking them, and I'll give you what you need. So we bought property next door. We got it paid for. We were going to uh, add on to, so we could have a lot more beds, you know, for the pregnant girls that were calling us. And we started taking them and we had a waiting list and we get the pregnant girls in because they have a time frame, you know, so we had to get them in quickly. And, uh, so we had a fundraiser and not that many people came. These were the very early days. It was 85, three years into it, had a fundraiser and guess what? $15,000 came in and I was so disappointed because I thought God was going to have one person write this big check and just pay for the whole thing. And so I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he said, I want you to take that money and you get permission from the people that gave it, but I want you to sow it as seed in the ground for what I'm going to do. And so we did that out of faith, obedience to God. And then about a few weeks later, I had already on my calendar, uh, I was scheduled to speak in an evangelism conference in Las Vegas, Nevada. How many of you think that's a good place <laughs> to have an evangelism conference? So we did street ministry at night. We did seminars and stuff, training sessions during the day, street ministry at night. So I was there eight days. Man, I was so tired I, after eight days of very little sleep. And the city never shuts down. And we were leading people to Jesus. And God was moving. And I got on that plane that day and to fly from Las Vegas back to Monroe, Louisiana. I had to change planes in Dallas. So I got on that plane. And I looked around. And the entire plane was full except there was one seat right next to me that was open. And I was just like, oh, God, you're so good. You love me so much that you just let an open seat be right there. And I was, you ever been peopled out? I was just peopled out, man. I just wanted to get on that plane and take a nap. I was so tired. So I'm in my seat, and I'm just thinking, thinking how cool it is that God has got this seat next to me. And all of a sudden, right before they close the cabin door, here comes this guy coming down the aisle. Jeans, T-shirt, tennis shoes. I saw him, and immediately I knew he was going to be in that open seat. So being the spiritual person that I am, I pretended to be asleep. I didn't want to talk to him. I didn't want to talk to anybody. So I'm leaning back like this, and so I'm not sleeping, but I, he thinks I'm asleep. And all of a sudden, I feel us taxiing out to take off, and this guy starts poking me in the arm. Hey, lady, how much money did you lose gambling in Las Vegas this week? And I'm like, that's not a yes or no answer, Lord. I have to explain it. So I started to explain to him. I didn't go there. I didn't go there for that. He goes, you went to Vegas and you didn't gamble? You didn't do any of that? I said, no. So I started telling him what I was there for. He talked to me the entire way. I never got to take my nap. He got off in Dallas, thank God. And I was trying to get off the plane still trying to get away from the guy, even though he was nice and he seemed interested in the work I was doing. And so he said, hey, have you got any contact details? Well, remember, no cell phones back in the mid-'80s. So I had this crumpled-up brochure, black and white, I think at the time that's all we could afford with the phone number, the information. 
And uh, I gave it to him, and that was it. And I never thought about it again. So about two or three weeks later, and this story is more detailed in, in, in that book, in the bundle, Echoes of Mercy. But a couple of, two or three weeks later, this guy called, and my executive assistant answered the phone, and she came and got me and said, some guy is on the phone and said to tell you that he's the man on the plane. He said, you'll know who it is. And I realized that we, you know, I, he never told me his name. I go, oh, I know who that is. So I went to the phone, and he goes, Nancy, I got to tell you this. He said, listen, three months, my whole adult life, I, when I get tired on my job and I get stressed because I work hard, he said, when I'm stressed, I always, my whole adult life, I go to Vegas and I party and I gamble and I chase women. And he said, but about three months before I met you on that plane, I asked Jesus to come into my heart and I got born again. And he said, and so this time when I got to Vegas, I'm like, what am I doing here? This is dark. I shouldn't be doing this stuff. I shouldn't be gambling. I shouldn't be chasing women. He said, it was like something in me had changed. I said, yeah, I I bet. He said, yeah, I had to get out of there. He said, I sat through three planes trying to fly standby. And finally, that day, I got the last uh, seat on the plane. And he said, I still smoke cigarettes. I still use profanity. And I started laughing. I said, well, guess what? God knows how to clean that up. I'm not even going to fuss at you. God will help you with that. He said, well, anyway, I just wanted to be up front with you. I still smoke. He said, but every morning I get up and I make coffee and I smoke my cigarettes, drink my coffee and read my Bible, spend time with God, pray. And he said, the craziest thing, he said, every time I pray, I keep seeing your face. And I feel like God is telling me that I'm supposed to help you build something. What are you trying to build? So I said, well, we got this property and we need to build uh, more space because we are now taking in unwed young women facing unplanned pregnancy and we, we need more beds. And the guy started sobbing, crying uncontrollably. And I didn't know what to do, so I just sat there. And when he finally caught his breath, He goes, Nancy, when I was three days old, I was adopted by a wonderful family. And he said, three days old. And he said, my birth mother was a teenager, and she, I've never met her, but she was the product of a violent rape. And that's how I was conceived. And he said, I had a wonderful upbringing And he said, last year, my adoptive mother passed away and left me with several million dollars. How much more money do you need? And I told him, and he paid for the building. So that's what you call, that's what you call faith for provision. Think about it. Nobody could have set that up but God. Nobody. You couldn't even make that happen. I've even tried to recreate that situation on planes, and it just never happens again. But anyhow, so God is good. And I want to jump into the time I have left, faith for changed lives. Romans 12, 2, first of all, we get them all in. Romans 12, 1, dedicate their bodies to God, a living sacrifice. Jesus Christ lives on the inside of us. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. So we get that settled. Then we, This was very important, especially in the day we live in today. 
and Romans 12 too. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's why we got to be in the Word of God every day. Because we're rooted and grounded in the Word of God. So if we don't stay in the Word of God and stay rooted and grounded, then we'll just be like somebody that's sitting on a, 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 a float out in the ocean. And you'll just drift and drift and drift. You're not grounded at all. That's what happens to people to get away from God, get away from the Word of God, begin to drift. And we don't want to be drifters. we got to stay on fire and stay rooted and grounded in the Word of God and let our light shine. So that the, the, the Bible says that we let our light shine before all men. That means believers and unbelievers alike. That they may see our good works. Not hear our big mouths necessarily. But they may see our good works and then they will glorify God. So it's important that we're all in. And so I found out that there's a huge difference between treatment and transformation. The world is about treatment, and they charge you big time to tell you all the reasons why you'll never amount to anything. Some of them charge you $30,000 to $60,000 a month in those facilities, and they label you, they medicate you, and they leave you feeling defeated. And then after they get your money, they set you down. And they tell you, well, we've done all we can, and you're probably not going to make it. And I don't want to make anybody mad in here, but if you've ever gone to an AA meeting, you've ever gone to an, uh, uh, an um, Narcotics Anonymous NA, if you've ever gone to any of those meetings, I praise God for any group that can help somebody, you know, help somebody with an addiction. I do. But... It's a step in the right direction, but it's not freedom. And let me explain myself. You go to an AA meeting, say it's me going. Hi, my name is Nancy. I was once an alcoholic, and I will always be an alcoholic. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. I'm still identifying with my problem. I'm not saying what 2 Corinthians 5.17 says. If any person be in Christ Jesus, not, they are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So don't be going to those meetings and confessing that crap over your life. I, I may be in trouble now with the pastor for saying that. But I'm telling you, I am so, it, I'm so angry about the, the young girls that left and committed suicide because we weren't able to tell them the truth. The Bible says that we shall know the truth. We receive that truth. We walk in that truth, and it sets us free. So freedom is in Christ. God is not about treatment. He's about transformation. He comes on the inside of us, gives us a new heart, a new spirit, helps us get to the root causes of those issues, and he transforms us into a new person. So if you continue to identify, and don't call it my eating disorder or my this or my, no. You're a new person. You identify with the fact that when you receive Christ, that you entered the bloodline of Jesus. The curse is broken in Christ. And, and we are now in the bloodline of Father God. And he's forgiven us. He's healed us. He's restored us. And, you know, people like to talk about generational curses. Well, I, I got news for you. Through the power of one person making a choice to serve Christ with all their whole heart, you start a generation of blessing in your family. And, and old things have passed away. All things are new. Listen, I never took an ADD test, but I'm pretty sure I would have passed it if I did. Because <laughs> I'm just all over the place. 
So God gave me a scripture that just made me feel so good about. It actually helps me to run a lot of things at one time. Multitasking, I'll call it. But anyhow, I never took the ADD test. But I found a scripture that, that helped me. And it's in Philippians 3.13 that says this. I may not be all I should be yet. He's still working on us. Brother Hagin said one time, no one has arrived, but we've all left. If we've asked Jesus into our heart. I may not be all I should be yet, but this one thing. I can do one thing. This one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forth to those things that are ahead. It, you, if you're in here and you've had an abortion, the devil's a liar. I'm here to tell you you're free. God loves you. He's not angry with you. He's not mad at you. If you've been an addict, if you've committed adultery, if you've abused somebody, if you've had addiction issues, whatever the problem is, Jesus is the answer. And I'm here today to declare over you, be free in the name of Jesus. The price has already been paid. And I break, in Jesus' name, I break the chains off of anyone and everyone watching online or otherwise. I break the chains of bondage off of you. And I declare to you in the name of the Lord Jesus, whose name is above every name, that you are free. Receive your freedom. The price has already been paid. Quit trying to pay for something that Jesus already paid for. Amen. And I'm, I'm not going to get anywhere near through this, but I will second service. But I'm going to close with a story. I got to say this, though. Got to say it. About the experts of the world. I got a scripture for them at the very end. But if y'all have the... I'm going to tell a story, and then I'm going to ask the sound uh, booth to put up the... The first and second slide, but not yet. There was a young girl that came into the program. Her parents were wealthy. I didn't know that. But they come to us free of charge because they need to know it's not about their parents' checkbook, even if they could pay. So she came. They had spent hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars on her. She was 19, and the doctor sat down with her and her parents and told them that she was going to die from her eating disorder. She had destroyed her body. She won't live. And if she manages somehow to live, she'll live very handicapped. She'll probably be in and out of facilities or into her life. Certainly never, never be able to live a normal life. We'll never have any children. So who does that sound like? Sound like the devil. So somebody graduated from Mercy and got set free from an eating disorder that lived in her town. And they told her, uh, you need to, this is where you need to go. They can help you. It's not true that you're going to die. They told us that those were lies. And you replace those lies with truth. And so this girl came into the program in 2003, and in six months' time, she, she, we got her off of all psychotropic drugs, got her delivered from depression, got her eating like a normal human being, no longer in fear of food or fear of... She was set free, do you hear me? Set free. So her parents were amazed. They came to her graduation six months. If you put the first slide up there, I want you to see... A picture of me and her at her graduation be slide number one if you have it. There it is. Okay, so leave that up there just a second. As I close, I want to tell you the rest of the story. She goes back, and we always say get plugged into a local church. So if we had a girl from Elizabeth City, I'd send them right here. So that they get the truth of the word of God. They have community. So she got plugged into a local church, and about a six months, a year later, she called me up, and she goes, Hey, Nancy, I met this guy. His name's Ryan. She said, I think he's the one. Will you pray? I said, yeah, I'll pray. Keep me posted. She said, I will. Well, guess what? They got married. 
And if you would, remember, the doctor said she'd never be able to have children, never live a normal life. So um, if you would put the next slide up, slide number two, I want you to know they've given birth to nine, <laughs> nine children. Nine. And so during COVID, during COVID, they got tired of staying at home. She homeschools these kids. And, and by the way, they, they thought nine wasn't enough, so they adopted that little boy from China. So they have 10 now. And so they have this huge RV, and they spent the whole COVID time traveling all across the United States of America. And the history, you would have loved it, Hans, the history of the United States of America. They taught their kids. So this is when they came by mercy to see me. And we made this picture. So I'm going to close with this scripture because you may not, your deal may not be an eating disorder, but whatever it is, this is what God said about the experts. 1 Corinthians 1, 19. I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent. I will frustrate. And she went back to her doctor and he was so frustrated because he didn't understand what had happened. And I love that that doctor's frustrated. I pray that he'll get born again and filled with the Holy Spirit. But that's what God does. He does what the experts of the world cannot do. And he is able to seek and save that which is lost. He's able to save to the uttermost. And I want Pastor Hans to come up here and close this service because I know we're on a tight time frame here. Come on. Nancy, thank you. Thank you. Amazing. Amazing. Come on, can we give it up for Nancy? How amazing is this? Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Seeing someone who's walked a walk of faith like that will encourage you more than anything I know to go do the same. To see somebody who's done it the Bible way, God's way, Holy Spirit way is just absolutely so encouraging. Amen? I want everyone to stand with us. Nancy and Dana are going to go to the table and they'll be there just to greet you guys and, and meet y'all and talk. And stop by and... Uh, if I told who Nancy has preached for and who she knows and who her best friends are, it would blow your mind. I mean, it's the who's who of Christian television and business world. And, you know, you saw some of the Joyce Meyer, she speaks for Joyce Meyer, she, Dave Ramsey in those pictures. It was, you know, on and on and on and on. But, but they see what I see. They love the passion, the heart, the integrity uh, of what she's doing. Amen. Hallelujah. So I'm going to do two things here. We're going to pray, and uh, I'm going to ask the altar workers to come. And if anybody needs set free, we're going to give you an opportunity to come to this altar this morning. If anybody just needs prayer, we're going to give you an opportunity to come. Number two, I'm going to pray for all of us. And if you'd like to give or support uh, Mercy, you can just leave an offering with our ushers. They have buckets in the bag. Just, just write Mercy on the check, and we'll get every dime to her. We're going to bless her for coming and speaking, but I just wanted to open that up. If you want to do that, we would, uh, we would welcome it, and I know Nancy would too. Amen? Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. So the first night I met Dana, she was sitting at a table with Nancy. So I, we, we've talked about that. It was an interesting meeting because it was kind of uh, uh, me and Nancy talked as much as me and Dana. And uh, anyhow, I'll, I'll leave that there. But God is good. <laughs> so, number one, if you want prayer, we're going to open this altar up. Number two, if you'd like to give, do.
do that on the way out. Amen? If you'd like to come back for the 11 o'clock, come and we'll pack in here. She's going to tell a lot of the stories of the girls. We haven't had, we haven't had been contacted this week by some people who were Mercy grads who live in our area doing great things, and they're going to come at 11. So just amazing. Father, we thank you for Nancy. We thank you for Mercy. We thank you for the lives changed, and we thank you for the future of the organization and for what you're doing. Father, just bless abundantly her work, the work of Mercy Multiplied, and we give you praise. Father, right now in Jesus' name, bless the offering. Bless everyone who gives and sows into that ground. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in this service this morning for each heart here, each person who has a need. I thank you for meeting that need in Jesus' name. For each person who needs to accept Christ in their life, I thank you, Holy Spirit, for drawing them right now to the cross. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Can everybody say amen? You know, I felt as we prayed, some of y'all need to come down and pray for some family members who need help. That you need to come and present them before the Lord. That you need to, or some friends that need some help. Because I'm telling you, there's help in Jesus. Come on, He is the answer. So we're going to open up the altars. If you've never accepted Christ, this is your opportunity. Make your way out of the aisle and come down and let somebody pray for you this morning. In Jesus' name. The rest of you, I'm going to dismiss in the name of the Lord. We're going to stay back and pray for anybody who needs prayer. Hey guys, thanks so much for watching and listening to the podcast. And I hope these sermons have been a great blessing and source of encouragement to your life. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing today, Jesus is the answer. I can tell you, He is the answer for your life. I'd love to pray with you before we leave here. So if you never accepted Christ into your life, or if you just have a need in your life, let's lift it up to the Lord right now. Come on, pray with me. Lord Jesus, wash me from all sin. I accept you into my life. I repent of all sin, and I place you on the throne seat of my heart. Lord, I pray right now, you minister to each and every one who just prayed that short prayer with me. Whatever situation they're facing, give them grace right now. Give them the power they need to get through it, Lord. Give miracle signs and wonders today, Lord, to those listening in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We declare it done in Jesus' name. Love you guys. Thank you for tuning in and listening and watching us.